Hello, and welcome to Big Dumb Movie, where we discuss movies of the big dumb variety. I'm your host, Corey, and I'm joined today with some very fine gents. First and foremost, we have my longtime friend, Jonathan. Say hello, sir. Hello, sir. <laughs> very good. Also, we have uh, two members of the Spoilers crew joining us today. Uh, let's go through them one at a time. Pappy. Hello. This is Pappy. Hello, Pappy. And Stevie, the first timer on Big Dumb Movie. Yeah, hello, this is Stevie, my first time on Big Dumb Movie, and pretty excited. Awesome, we're happy to have you. I'm happy to have all three of you, so I want to get that out of the way. I listened back to a couple other episodes where I didn't properly thank my guests, and I felt really bad afterwards, so <laughs> I want to thank you all three right off the top for being here. I do appreciate it. You got some spo- This is basically a spoilers episode. I mean, the three of us are on spoilers, <laughs> and then Jonathan. <laughs> so it's kind of like a spoiler cinematic universe crossover episode. <laughs> Seriously, it's a crossover book. This one. So all four of us are here, ready to review *Baby's Day Out*, a 1994 movie written by John John Hughes. I guess uh, to kind of kick things off, to get some proper introductions, to see what you guys are about. Uh, I was going to ask about John Hughes movies, but I'm going to hold off on that. Um, Stevie, you've seen Baby's Day Out before today, I assume. Many a time. Okay, why don't you tell us about your experience with this movie? Like, did you grow up on it? What was it like? So, yeah, uh, I grew up watching movies at a very young age. And I think this is one of those movies, because I was probably three years old when this came out. I think this is one of those movies where my parents were put it on to kind of keep me busy where they could do other things. But I do remember loving it as a kid. So I've like watched it throughout the years and it still makes me laugh. So you were like a real like baby bink just watching another baby movie. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> he, he would recreate it as a toddler wandering exactly. around Elkhart. doing. <laughs> It's just like paying it forward. Like the book teaches the kid in the movie, and then the movie teaches the kid in real life. And then some kid copies you. Exactly. Pappy, what about you? Did you grow up on this? Baby Pap? I actually did, and I was pretty excuse me, I was pretty excited when you asked me to podcast on it. Uh we went to uh Sam's Club when I was a kid and we got to pick out some movies. And we got a double pack of the Adam West Batman movie. And babies stay out, and I, and I think I was like around seven or eight at the time. And we watched the Batman movie, and it was awesome. I, I loved it. And we watched Baby's Day Out, and I think that was like the first time in my life I watched a movie and realized that not all movies are good. I don't know if you guys had like a moment like that. <laughs> that was the moment, huh? Yeah, I think I just like I'd always thought like assumed that a movie was good. Like they made the movie, it must be good. I remember just like I'm never gonna watch this again, and it was relegated to the bottom of the uh, VHS box. Oh God. Yeah, for me, those movies were in like the very back. There was like a deep cupboard underneath the TV. Mm-hmm. And the ones that were lame, we just put them in the very back. But, um, man, I'm surprised you like that Adam West Batman movie. I, Even as a kid, I didn't like that. I thought it was silly. But I remember that moment of realization, too. Like, when you were like, when I'm sure all of us at one point were like, fuck, some movies are bad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a part of growing up, ain't it? It's I mean, Jonathan, day. you probably realized that very recently. Oh, my God, man. Oh, my God. Uh, as the more movies that I watch, and I try to, like, introduce my son to different movies that were, like, I thought were awesome when I was a kid. And I'm like, fuck, this movie sucks. <laughs> like, I can't even show this to my kid. 
<laughs> Did you watch this movie with your kid, Baby's Day Out? No. Nope. I'm glad I didn't subject him to this. <laughs> oh, harsh. Well, uh, hilarious side note, Corey. My cousin Adam, who also follows me on Letterboxd, just, just, just texted me out of the blue. Little known fact... I had Baby's Day Out nightmares as I was a, when I was a kid. I fucking hate Baby's Day Out. <laughs> as we're recording this podcast, he sent that to me. Baby's Day Out nightmares. Wow. Solid review. What what are Baby's Day Out nightmares like? Joe Montana dressed up as a Frenchman chasing you around. Like what's <laughs> the smell what is of his nuts being barbecued by a lighter? <laughs> yeah, how did that baby even get a Zippo going, man? Come on. It was Vern Troyer. Okay. Oh my god. So uh, that leads me, I guess, not really, but I'm going to ask another question now. Uh, John Hughes movies. So this movie was written by John Hughes, who's written a ton of movies. He's kind of like a prolific and well-renowned writer in Hollywood. I'm going to ask each of you, but starting with you, Jonathan, um, what is your favorite John Hughes movie? There are so many to choose from. Um, I've always been a big fan of of 80s movies, the Brat Pack stuff, you know, things like that. But I think the one that I really have to uh, choose is um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, it's been like just a solid family tradition for me for 20 years that we watch it at least probably 10 times every, every holiday season. So uh, it's something that like... My family and I, could, we just sit there and put it on and movie quote it the whole entire time. It, I remember it, your dad talking home. about it, actually. Oh, yeah. Your dad yeah. used to drive us around when we were kids a lot. And he would talk about movies that I should see and stuff. And when I said I didn't see that movie, yeah. I don't remember what he said, but I remember he made me feel bad about it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like my dad. <laughs> yeah, your yeah. dad was hardcore. <laughs> yeah, he was an asshole sometimes. <laughs> Any chance he could take to just obliterate a kid's feelings, yeah. that was him. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, so I, I think coming in close seconds, probably Uncle Buck for me, though. Uh, there's so many good memories and, and quotes from, from Uncle Buck, you know. Uncle Buck has that one scene that's just super uncomfortable, though. Like, it's a pretty fun, lighthearted movie until there's that, like, attempted rape. And it's just like it kind of takes the air out of the room. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I think like uh, the part that I always like, it's still a kind of a regular quote in my house is where he goes to the principal and he throws a quarter on her desk. And he's all, you take that quarter, go downtown and pay a rat to gnaw that thing off your face. Oh, the mole. The mole, yeah. dude. Yeah. He was so gangster. And then he walks out smoking a big fat cigar down the hallway of a little kid's school. <laughs> that is pretty gangster. <laughs> uh, good answer. Uh, Pappy, what about you? Uh, I like the one uh, about the rich white people from Chicago. That's probably my favorite one. <laughs> it's Shermer, <laughs> Illinois. Get it right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, you mean the, the guys with the $9 million house? <laughs> that would be Home Alone. And, and Steve and I were talking about this recently. Like, I saw a meme where it was like, growing up is watching Home Alone and like wondering how much that house would have cost in the Chicago suburbs, which is so true. But I'm actually go, going to go with a, a episode that we did on Spoilers way back in the day, our first Thanksgiving special, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. It, another John Candy one um, with Steve Martin, probably my favorite Steve Martin movie too. It's It balances the humor. And, and I know that like it's been parodied on Family Guy, but the heart at the end really does get me. And the I like me speech, like it, it really moves me. And so I, I think it like finally, like it, it strides the line really well of like the John Hughes sentimentality along with like a lot of the great comedy. 
Oh, very well put. And it probably has one of the best uses of the word fuck in any movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Marathon. May I help you? Yes. How may I help you? You can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks. Then you can give me a fucking automobile, a fucking Datsun, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Buick, four fucking wheels and a seat. I really don't care for the way you're speaking to me. And I really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there. And I really didn't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway to get back here to have you smile at my fucking face. I want a fucking car right fucking now. May I see your rental agreement? I threw it away. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, what? You're fucked. What about you, Stevie? What you got? Um, I don't have to go with planes, trains, and automobiles as well. Uh, that movie is just so hysterical to me. And plus, I have to fly down every year to the most southern part of Florida and drive my grandma back to Indiana every year. And I don't know why, but every time coming back, Ray Charles's mess around comes on and it always makes me think of this movie. <laughs> uh, so definitely planes, trains, and automobiles. Nice. I mean, personally, me, I'm going to have to go with The Breakfast Club. Now, I know you guys had some like varying views when you did a spoilers episode on that. For anyone listening, check that out, by the way. I looked it up. Spoilers episode number 160. Thank you. Nice. I think you guys determined that Josh was like the Bender, the John Bender of the spoilers crew. <laughs> I might be. <laughs> You'd mis- like to think. I'd be misremembering that. <laughs> I, should, I don't know. I don't know if he'd be happy about that. He's not here to defend himself. But uh, that's like the teen movie to me. It just has like all the... 80s teen movie feel summed up. Fast Times at Ridgemont High is probably a, a close second, but The Breakfast Club was like my favorite movie when I was like 11 years old. Very inappropriate, but that one is a classic <laughs> and a lot of nostalgia for me. The only thing that gives Fast Times at Ridgemont High uh, brownie points because boobs, man. That's <laughs> it's true. It. That's it. <laughs> That's true. It's got the classic Phoebe Kate scene. Yeah. Which has also been parodied a number of times. I'm okay but with that. John Hughes wrote this movie, Baby's Day Out, which, I mean, he was really riding a, a very specific kind of wave in the 90s, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think of the similarities between this and like Home Alone and, I don't know, some of the others of that era? Extraordinarily violent compared uh, along with Home Alone. I, I guess kind of like the whole kid in peril thing. As well, is that what you're getting at? Yeah, and the um, the bumbling uh, villains that are you know just kind of falling around all over the place. It's like he had a certain like thing he was going for in the '90s. It seems like. Yeah, I I feel like he was just trying way too hard to make this movie work. Way too hard. You think he was trying hard? Uh, I mean, what do you do with with 45 different B, C, and D actors in a movie, you know? I mean, $50 million budget for this movie, and you don't have fucking anybody. That's right. $50 million. Dude, they gave him $50 million to shoot a baby going around town. I mean, technically two babies, but yeah. 
Well, technically. <laughs> well, I mean, John Hughes could like when he was cranking out his best movies, could probably write an entire screenplay in what a weekend. Yeah, they they did say something like that in a book I was reading. Oh, you guys have read this book, Disney War. They were talking about mm, that. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was doing a lot of cocaine in those days. I don't know if that <laughs> went into the '90s as well. But I could picture him writing this in a Saturday afternoon with no edits. Like, that's it. It's a weird, like, choice of, like, like, to do this in live action. I was looking at Siskel and Ebert's review back in the day, and that's what Ebert said, that it's just not funny to have babies in peril. I, I don't know if that's my criticism for it, but, like, it's a weird choice to have us, like, John Hughes movie with, like, real people. Uh, like you said, with B, C, and D actors, it, it feels like it, it feels like it should be like either like an animated short or maybe like a seventy-minute like animated like Disney feature or something. It it's just a very strange choice, like to to read that screenplay and be like, you know who we need? We need uh the guy from Scrubs. What's his name? The cop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be a good addition. Yeah, we were just talking about that before we started recording. Um, yeah, fifty million dollars is pretty high, ain't it? That's where where did it go? Like the the green screen, the the score. I don't like. Where did that money go? The stuntman, Rick Baker. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Baker was worked on this movie, which is a, a crazy thought to me. That I mean, Rick Baker, Baby's Day Out. It just does not go together, considering the kind of stuff that he normally does, like really in depth creature effects, like American Werewolf, and yeah, it's just crazy to me that he was involved, but. The return, we talked about the budget. The return was $16 million. Oh, Total flop. Yeah, total fucking flop. That's like bad. I think that's probably one of the worst box office returns of any movie that we've done on this podcast. Hey, what, uh, what year did this come out? 1994. Could you imagine replacing this, uh, the, the, the three uh, crooks with like... Animaniacs doing it animated and just having them three oh, <laughs> chasing yeah. around a baby around town. And I guarantee you it would have brought in more than $16 million <laughs> and it wouldn't have cost 50. I guess it depends when it's released. Do you guys know what this movie went up against? Think no. about it. I'll let you guys take a guess. It came out mid 1994. Forrest Gump. Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, and Shawshank all in one weekend. All right. Let's let me rephrase. So kids movies. Oh. Shawshank. Oh God, that's disturbing. Um, give me, give me a hint. Disney. Aladdin. Ooh, it was Lion an Aladdin. King? Lion King. It came oh, out the same fuck. weekend as Lion King. Everything was fucked that weekend. <laughs> God. So this movie stood basically no chance. Did you read the IMDb facts at all, Corey? For I this? went through a couple of them. Did you see the one, like the, the Roger Ebert essay that he went to some town in India where it had like the biggest theater and he was asking him like, what's the most popular movie ever? Like, was it Titanic? Was it Independence Day? And they're like, no, it was Baby's Day Out. It was, it ran for like over a year and then they ended up making a sequel for it. Yeah, that's right. So they made their own sequel, right? Their own Indian, like Bollywood kind oh, yeah. of movie? Their, their own version of it. Like, yeah. I don't know if oh. it's just like the physical comedy it translates better if you can't understand the words or if it's just a cultural thing. Look, I've seen a movie about a kid running around in India called Lion. And let me just say, it was a different kind of movie. So good. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of... Uh... Anyway, I'm, I'm not going to get into it. Not in Baby's Day Out. Let's talk about the movie itself. 
Pappy, why don't you tell us like how this movie opens up? Yeah, so this is like I mentioned at the top, the typical John Hughes movie. These these white people are a little bit richer uh, than we usually have. He, he seems to be a young executive family. And I've been watching a lot of Sex in the City. Uh, Miranda is the <laughs> nanny with an English accent, and uh, oh, what's her name from Twin Peaks is the mom. Laura Flynn Boyle. Yeah, Laura Flynn also Boyle. Also in I, Men in Black. Yep. And I don't think is the dad anybody noteworthy yeah he was he's, Corky he's Romano. no he's uh gulia uh from uh, wedding singer yeah yeah oh, he marries drew yeah. he was gonna marry drew barrymore it's very much a, oh that guy's in this movie but there's a lot of that <laughs> yeah yeah for it's, sure you kind of get the dynamic that the nanny is closer to the baby than the mom. They're very, it's very much the 80s trope of like the absentee career-driven parents. Uh, and they're also kind of like socially driven, right, Corey? Like she's obsessed with having her baby's picture in the paper, which is such like a novel concept in 2020. <laughs> yeah. I want my kid's picture in the paper. Only, only back then for sure. But yeah, they have a baby. They got baby bink. Rewatching it, my first thought when seeing Baby Bink is like, this is the cutest baby I've ever seen. This baby is so fucking cute. Like I was, you know, the cartoony like hearts on my eyes seeing this kid. He's so adorable. <laughs> what did you think of him, Stevie? Adorable baby, but also kind of going back to Pappy's point. Like these are the most unlikable parents <laughs> in the world to start off with. Like real brave choice by John Hughes to literally... Like, he couldn't have tried harder, like, to make the mother more unlikable. And she was like, my child's not in magazines and these people's are. I just want my child in magazines. It's really hard to watch. Those are some first world problems if I've ever seen them, you know? Everyone we know has had their baby's picture in the paper. Baby Bank is almost a year old and virtually unknown. I can't count the number of times I've been asked why we're keeping our baby a secret. You're right. The only way to quiet that kind of talk is to have our small-minded friends open up their newspapers and see a photograph of the prettiest baby in the city. Mm-hmm. And that house is just obnoxious. <laughs> like, like, I even texted this to Pappy like halfway through. It's like, how is it that we landed the scumbag kidnappers are more likable than the parents of the kidnapped child? Well, not not only that, not to jump too far ahead, but there's a scene later when they think they might have a tip to where the baby is. And the fucking rich ass parents go into this tiny Chicago apartment to this single mom who has like six kids to feed. And... The mom is like really sincere and she's like, I hope, you know, I hope you find your baby. And the mom says something to the effect of, well, I hope you're never in my position. It's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, like how toned up can you be? <laughs> that is pretty fucked up. I agree. <laughs> so the plot is that these three criminals, these common, like, I don't know, I, you're wet bandits kind of guys. They're, <laughs> they're pretty stupid. They're like the three stooges, really. Um, they decide to kidnap this baby. They're going to pose as the photographers that were going to come and put the baby's picture in the paper. And they're going to hold the baby for ransom because his family is very wealthy. Jonathan, what did you think of these guys? Oh, my God, dude. It, it just kept getting worse and worse. I mean, I, what, what do you really say about these guys? It's just a fucking joke. Dude. I mean, Joe <laughs> Montana is fucking 
awful French accent, you know? <laughs> I mean, he, did, did you know, like, it bothered me that he kept sticking his tongue out when he was talking. Did you notice that? Like, I noticed it. His, like, he had this, Disturbing. like, horrible, like, mouth gap and would, like, stick his tongue out when he would say things. And it was like, and then he's like, I really need to be alone with your baby, you know, and, like, all this stuff. I'm like, okay, what fucking mother or parent would allow some strange photographer to be alone with their infant child, especially a French guy. I mean, come on, <laughs> supposedly French. <laughs> I, you're right, because these guys are already pretty shady. Like they're, they're like the kind of guys that shout things at you, and they do it very close to you. So there's right. already something very off-putting about them. Yeah, yeah, they're like close talkers, like for sure. Like yeah. you know, the people that just talk way close to your face, and you're super awkward and uncomfortable. And to that end, may I ask one small favor? May I have some time alone with the child? Oh, I need his complete attention. The great bond between you and your son, his love for you will distract him. I need to study his marvelous little features to learn how best to photograph him. He does well with persons he is not Intimate way. I'm not a parenting expert. I don't have any children, but like, just a pro tip: if anybody ever says I need to be alone with your child and they're an adult, the answer is no. <laughs> Should no. be a firm no. <laughs> Absolutely, no reason for that. But the baby's love for the mom would distract it and make for a bad photo. The baby doesn't even love the mom. The baby <laughs> loves Miranda, the nanny. That's true. Wasn't it? Was uh, wasn't it? Um, he wanted her to go change because the the outfit was going to be too distracting. That was one of his excuses yeah. to get her out of the room. Yeah. yeah. So that just really kicks off the movie. They they kidnap the baby when they uh, others leave the room, and they take it back to their whatever. They got some honestly it's a pretty nice place considering like the ex- exterior location. Like they got a a nice like corner room at this pretty big building. I don't know. They got a nice place out there in New York. Mm-hmm. What's the uh, the top floor of like a, a big apartment building or penthouse? Uh, a penthouse? They've got like the penthouse of that shitty little apartment. The yeah. life of crime, you know, it really yeah. pays off. Yeah. yeah. They pay their penthouse bill <laughs> with cash every month. Do you notice how conveniently like the apartment looked kind of like not really in sorts, right? But the bed was perfectly made where they put the baby down for his nap. They probably set it up, you know, in preparation for him. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it's a real three men in the baby situation once they got the baby in their place. Like, they're trying to figure out how to change him and... Yeah. Proper nesting. Are any of you guys Three Stooges fans? Uh, I'm not super into it, but, you know, what I've seen is is pretty cool. Like, I'm not against it. I, I'm not like super big into it either. We had a VHS, but I get a lot of Three Stooges vibes from like the physical comedy, like the way that they interact and stuff. They're constantly slapping each other, you know, that kind of thing. Do you know their their movie that uh, that was made? I don't know, probably at least ten years ago by now, with the guy from Mad TV, Will Sasso. The did you ever see that movie? No, what movie? The, it's no. it's uh, the Three Stooges. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. Dude, give it a watch, man. <laughs> is it good? It's a big, dumb movie, but it's actually, like, worth it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, perfect. I mean, I, I'm a big Will Sasso fan anyways, so it kind of helps. Any points stand out to you guys when they got the baby in the room? I, 
one thing that always stuck with me was the Mary had a little lamb uh, that Joe Pantoliano sings, like his version of it. Every which way that Mary went, the lamb was right behind her. It followed her awake one day, wake one day, wake one day. It followed her awake one day, and Mary lost her job. And then she lost her yeah. job. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I like his version of the song better than the actual song. <laughs> I'm gonna start singing that to my kid. Followed her to wake one day. Wake one day. Replace your R's with Y's. <laughs> but what happens is the baby kind of escapes their clutches. He just kind of like wanders away, and they're not really paying attention to it the way they should be. Uh, Stevie, the the baby goes out a window. Were you getting Antichrist vibes at all? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, Antichrist looked like a K-Jewelers commercial the first 10 minutes. This is like, I kind of agree with Eber on this. It's kind of hard to watch because like in a normal setting, like this baby dies like nine times out of 10, like the first five minutes of this movie. Um, but yeah, this baby escapes out the window and then for some odd reason, there's like a two by 10 piece of lumber that connects one building from the other that he walks across. It's just lots of peril for the next 70 minutes. <laughs> it is lots of peril, but you know what? In the context of this universe, children are invincible. So what universe is this? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> it's uh, the cartoon world come come to life. It's a real cool world situation. <laughs> One thing I did appreciate, though, was after the baby gets across, and I think this is when Joe Montana is knocked out. Vico, who is probably the most likable out of any of the any of the bad guys or kidnappers, kind of just <laughs> says, "Why do people leave stuff like this out?" and literally throws the lumber like between two buildings. <laughs> that is pretty good. Joe Montana falls off that roof, don't he? He should be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Doesn't he fall down and like and uh, and uh, lands on an AC unit or something? Oh, yeah, and, and it falls out the window. And it's goes a nut down. shot. Yeah, nut shot on the AC unit and then falls the other two three floors. Oh well, man! After he grabs onto a, a suction cup bird feeder for a little bit, which breaks his fall temporarily, <laughs> somehow holding his weight. It gets real acme real quick. It does. That bird feeder might have saved his life. Yeah, good thing he's got those quick hands. A lot of this movie, and I I shouldn't say a lot, all of this movie is them chasing the baby around New York. So we're going to kind of go through some of the key points of that, I guess, just to kind of... uh, Is it not Chicago? I thought it was Chicago. I thought there was a shot of the Sears Tower at one point. Chicago. I, I don't know, man. I'm from California. It's all the same to me. Like out there. <laughs> it's kind of just the Mississippi. If it if it's not LA, then it's New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Steve would have fact checked me. So the baby hops on a bus, uh, and this is where I started to notice that nobody can see this kid. Right. Like yeah. No matter like, where he goes, like he's on the bus, like by someone's foot. No one sees this like baby. Dude, how, how is everybody so busy and that that they just don't see this kid? It's unbelievable. Yeah, and he even hops into the lady's he... purse and she doesn't like notice the weight difference. Yeah, there's just not another 25 pounds in her, in her <laughs> purse. 
Pappy, what'd you think of the scene with the the baby in the lady's purse and then like the the three guys kind of tailing her? Yeah, it gets very aggressive, uh, very quick. Uh, like her move to get them to back off right before they see the baby is she kind of humps uh, Brian Haley, that the, one of those stu- the three stooges. And he was actually in Little Giants, Corey. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, was, Spike's dad. Yeah. Nico. Which, uh, I don't know. And then he, he kind of fat shames her for eating too many pork chops. And then the baby <laughs> kind of just like slips away again, right? Like she sets down her purse. I mean, yeah. he... She uh, he, doesn't he say like maybe we should give her a sandwich and then she like puts the fucking purse down and goes and kicks the shit out of these guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's exactly what happens. This is like very '90s stuff. Like you, like with someone like overweight and they're just like, go eat a sandwich, fat ass. Yeah, <laughs> and <then she> yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically, shouldn't she be giving them sandwiches? What? Why? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I thought women were good at making sandwiches. Oh, I get you. Oh, fuck. All right. Well, thanks for ruining that, Corey. Delete it. Edit. Staying in. Everything stays in. But I would say that of, of like all of the baby's adventures, like some of them are more carried by the baby being in peril and some of them are more carried by the three stooges being stooges. This is like, and I think of like the zoo one for more of like the baby or the construction site. This is definitely one where it's like the three stooges are being assholes and just like finding ways for them to get hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of the zoo, that's, that's a big part of the movie. The zoo is, well, the, I mean, the gorilla is on the poster, right? It's probably, I haven't seen the trailer in a long time, but I imagine there was a lot of the zoo in the trailer. Um, they eventually follow the baby through like the baby like hops on a cab. He goes into a mall. He crosses traffic. He gets pushed like thirty feet by a revolving door yeah. in and out of that place. <laughs> he, he like conveniently gets picked up for a diaper change. Yeah, that's right. He's, he has like a rest stop. Yeah, because like, apparently like that toy store has like a, a daycare or something. Yeah, it's like a that must have been like a nineties thing. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would not let some fucking department store lady change my kid's diaper. Especially because they can just, like, get away. Yeah. Like, the kids there can just escape, <laughs> clearly. Plot plot <laughs> twist. She actually steals the baby. It's a real, yeah, Casey Anthony situation. All right. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> I'm just going to gloss right over that. So, they make their way to a zoo, Stevie. Now, in the zoo, they spend most of their time in, like, the... It's not just gorillas. It's like all the great apes are in one building where they're primates. Primates. All, yeah, all the primates like are in one area. Stevie, why don't you tell us what goes HQ. down there? So the baby uh, is in the pen with a giant gorilla, and this is. I mean, there's not great dialogue in this movie, which is sad because John Hughes wrote this movie, even if it is like a kids' movie. But there's one line that's always stuck out to me, and that's when Joe Montana looks at Vico when they're trying to figure out how to get the baby out. He just looks at him and he just goes, you have long arms. What? You got long arms. I don't know why. (laughs) You nailed it. You, You got it down pretty good. That line has always made me laugh so hard. And that's when we kind of get to like Vico trying to uh, reach for him. And that's when uh, the gorilla breaks his hand. Then afterwards, it's, um, what's that guy's name? Norby? 
Yes, Norby. That's uh, yeah. Joe Pantoliano. Yeah, that's when um, he tries his, tries to uh, use a broom to get him out. I think that's right. He tries to use a broom, and the gorilla knocks him a hundred feet in the air. <laughs> and I cannot remember for the life of me what Joe Montana tries to, how he tries to get the kid out. So th- they wait till the gorilla's sleeping, and the baby's sleeping, and he kind of just tries to like drag him out. But the gorilla wakes up and like grabs his arms and yells in his face, and then tosses him across the room into like the uh, I, don't, I don't know animals, the chimpanzee area. And like, like his ass like splits the the steel bars. Yes. Like when he gets thrown <laughs> across the room. Wasn't he reaching in and was like able to grab the kid's uh, shoelaces or something and started like pulling him by the shoelaces? Yeah. And the gorilla. Yeah, like, I think that's like, like when the gorilla trapped chop- him with yeah. his own feet. Yeah, dude, he like judo chopped his hand or something and then threw him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like to think that this is actually Harambe before he died. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about Whoa. that. Oh, God. <laughs> He's always it's looking out for the kids, died. you know, Harambe. <laughs> okay. Did anybody else notice why? First of all, why were the bars for the cage so thin? Second of all, why would they put bars wide enough for people's heads to fit through? <laughs> yeah. Because every one of their heads fit through those fucking bars. Look, I've gone to the zoo and seen gorillas. There's like some kind of crazy glass like some unbreakable glass they don't just have yeah. bars you know or there's like a like a, a, a 30 pit. foot pit yeah with like separation and water separation yeah i like this setup a little bit better though you can just reach in and pet it it'll yeah. be fine you know sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if yeah. tiger king has taught me anything it's it's that it's fine to just reach in and just give him a pet absolutely <laughs> see what happens Take your chances stevie you mentioned uh when Cypher from the Matrix gets launched up in the air from his crotch via a broom. I feel like that's a good litmus test for this movie. If you think that's funny, <laughs> you're going to love Baby's Day Out. If that is an eye-rolling moment. Yeah, if these slapsticks uh, crack you up, you're in for a good time because that's the rest of the movie. <laughs> Corey, it's just slapstick Jonathan's after slapstick. shaking his head. <laughs> yeah, Corey, Jonathan, where do you guys come? I know Stevie really well. If if you're only a big dumb movie listener, we've been best friends since sixth grade. So I, I know what makes Stevie laugh. I know what he's into. But Corey, Jonathan, do you guys respond to crotch punch humor? I, I think it's hilarious every time. And uh, like right now, I, I have a nine-year-old son at home, and everything right now is about like trying to make people believe he got hit in the nuts and you know it's so funny and like he's totally just at that age has he gotten to poop jokes yet or is he not there or Uh, is he past it no but oh man this kid can fart like an old man dude i swear (laughs) um but no the right now the the nut shot jokes are just a constant everyday thing so i'm guessing you were being sarcastic was was the nut shot thing for real did you find it funny in the movie yeah no it was good for me i was that was probably one of the highlights i mean that's pretty bad if that's one of the highlights of the movie (laughs) i'm gonna say this now i haven't seen this movie in a long time and i watched it for the podcast and I thought it was actually pretty funny, and I did not expect that. I expected to hate this movie and think it's stupid, and most of the slapstick somehow got to me. And it, I do not laugh at that kind of stuff normally, but I, I was pleasantly surprised. There, there I was, was with it. There was seriously only one scene that I cracked up laughing, and it, it's such a dumb scene. But do you remember when 
the three stooges are roll they're in their van which is the most ridiculous van i've ever seen right do you notice it doesn't even have a slider door on the side like it's got it's some weird closed. artwork yeah crazy artwork like like every van modification you could possibly have in the early 90s they did like it had you know bullhorns it had that crazy like limousine like antenna wing looking thing on it you know crazy murals it what was, was like, going on at the top where they can kind of like look? Dude, he has like a skylight in there. Yeah. Where like Vico is sticking his head out trying to look around. But the scene that the only one scene that had me cracking up was where they plow straight into the back of that taxi. <laughs> yeah. That because they, good. dude, they see that thing parked for like a mile and a half <laughs> and like, holy shit. Oh, I'm just going to plow into the back of this taxi. We got to hit it, boys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oops. I forgot to hit the brakes. And that's really know. these characters perfectly. Like they don't. They don't drive up and park their car. They slam into a parked car. Like, that's just how they operate. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, if so there were trash cans and neurotic, there. Yeah. yeah, if there were trash cans there, they would have hit them. If it was a baby there, they would have ran If it, it was over. another baby, yeah. yeah. Not this baby. This baby's this invincible. Baby. Well, no, that's a $5 million baby. It is. Yeah. yeah. Right. My money. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we didn't even talk about the, the ransom note that they left. Would anything the stick out to you with it? Well, it was like that total, like... You know, um, like a uh, ransom note where you cut letters out of a magazine. Like they probably had to go buy three or four different magazines just to get all the letters cut out perfectly and paste it on. <laughs> uh, tedious. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like a lot of work. I did- like nobody was going to know their fucking handwriting anyways. Why didn't they just write it? I did chuckle at the ransom notes like, don't call the cops, the last sentence. And it's a smash cut to the cops driving cops. to the mansion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. One of the things that stuck out to me with the whole Harambe part, I know, Stevie, you had that like line of dialogue that you said you remembered. For me, it was Joe Montana saying, I'm a banana. I'm a coconut. I'm an entire fruit salad. Hey, King Kong, hey, over here. I'm a banana. I'm a coconut. I'm an entire fruit salad. Over here. Hey, hey, look, I'm the jungle boy. Over here. That's it. <laughs> I, my little brother Tyler watched this movie a lot when I was a kid and I was a little bit too old for it I didn't like it that much but I feel like every time I walked in and he was watching it it was the gorilla part so I've seen that bit a lot I think he might have just like rewound that bit he had a tendency to do that sometimes I'm sorry Tyler if you're listening <laughs> mad respect bro <laughs> but uh, I do want to talk a little bit about something Pappy touched on with the tip that the cops and the family mm. get. So someone calls in a tip. They say, I think I know where the baby is. And it's like a supposedly concerned citizen. But you can tell he's just a, a scumbag that wants money. And he says, yeah, I saw the baby over there at that house. And it's kind of like, you know, in a not great area. That you can tell the family's pretty poor. And what happens is the cops and the family, they go knock on the door. They basically, I mean, this is a little bit of an exaggeration, but they kind of like kick in their door and they're like where's the fucking baby they just start searching around their place it, it's an ugly scene it is mm-hmm. man it's bad it's fred thompson former presidential candidate is one of the cops <laughs> it was a total racial profiling scene right there like just because it was a blonde kid with some fucked up teeth you know they're like oh he's in there <laughs> hey just, speaking of uh, b and c celebs did you or actors did you notice who the caller was he was the uh, the guy from uh, Dumb and Dumber. 
Oh, okay. When he's like, he's all, give me my pills. Yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. Guy. The rat poison yeah. guy. Yeah, the rat poison guy. It's like we said, there's a lot of like that guys in the movie, yeah. and I couldn't quite put my finger on him. Yeah. That's but him. that that part did fucking bother me a lot when they went that. It's like, of course, they gotta go fuck with the poor people, you know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. I love it how he's trying to give information and the dad's about to give money. He's like, please, please keep your money. It's no good here. Then he lays down a little bit of money withholding information. Puts down more money, gives a little bit more information. It's really greasy. Yeah. <laughs> What's the point of that scene, Corey? Like, why is that scene in this movie? What What does it accomplish for the film at all? I have no fucking clue, man. I, I can't defend <laughs> it. I can't. <laughs> It's the cocaine pap. <laughs> it's think- just really weird, right? Because like, like I understand that like the energy level that this film has, the the crotch punches, the flying through bars, the lighting people's testicles on fire. That's such a high <laughs> energy level that you have to have somewhere else to go. But like, why are we going to to abuse the civil rights of poor people and not like <laughs> kick down their door? I don't understand what's happening. The only thing that I could think of that would lead into that was because just before that, um, the the mother, uh, I don't even remember her name, but Laura Flynn Boyle, she had just spoken about um, getting her baby's picture in the paper, but it was obviously for the wrong, the wrong reason. Yeah. And then it led into him calling in with his, you know, tip. Mm. So, but that's the, that's like the only the only entry point there for that scene. Yeah. To get back into the uh, the fun side of the movie, I guess, um, we talked about lighting a dick on fire. We get to see that in the park because the... You don't get to see the dick, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately? <laughs> hey, if you want Joe Montana's dick pics, I'll, I'll talk to you after the podcast. All right. Baby's day out. Unrated. <laughs> so the robbers, the kidnappers, whatever they are, they do f- catch up with the baby and they are in some kind of big park, but the cops show up. And they have to hide the baby because everyone's like looking for it. Joe Montana puts the baby in his lap, puts a coat on top. Stevie, what plays out? This is so strange to me because how bad are these cops? Like, I know it's a kid's movie. I know you're supposed to suspend reality a little bit. But Joe Montana looks like he's holding, like hiding like a golf bag underneath his legs screaming acting so strange and the cops are just letting it go but talking about barbecues yeah it, it's really odd um just because you figure john hughes would be a better writer than this unless someone else wrote it and he just attached his name to it i'm so confused by it but um yeah so baby bink somehow got a hold of his lighter and is lighting his testicles on fire while these cops are just doing chit-chat with him. <laughs> if we see anything... Excuse me. If we see anything, we'll be sure to notify... The, the close-up shot of like the little Chucky hand holding the Zippo too, like it's so <laughs> funny looking. <laughs> like he's just holding the Zippo right there. Like, 
I mean, he lit the Zippo, right? He did it. He flicked it. Yeah. yeah. I can't even do that. <laughs> Was I the only one that thought that that scene really represented like uh, uh, Joe Montana in a like jerk off session underneath a trench coat oh yeah hiding that, the baby i was kind of like, thinking that, that too. was i was like this is really weird like you got a baby under your lap and you look like you're jerking it and <laughs> orgasming in front of the cops he's got a bad heart he's got a bad heart and, and all the cops are worried about is is your van that's still running illegally parked like come on <laughs> it's a classic scene right there he doesn't just light him on fire there's a scene in this movie where a baby grabs Joe Montagna's nuts. He grabs his nuts. A baby grabs a grown man's nuts. Yeah. Like, I think like that three times. a third time. A baby grabs a grown man's nuts in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and like that's my thing with the humor too, is like I, I may have given it like a like a short initial like chortle, like when some of these things happen. But like every one of these scenes goes on for like way too long. You know what I mean? To an uncomfortable point. Like his nuts are roasting for five minutes, literally, <laughs> of screen time. Like wouldn't his nuts be too hot to grab anyways? Probably. Yes. A baby the hot would, rocks, man. The baby would have burned itself. The baby escapes the clutches of Joe Montaigne's crotch and wanders his way into an uh, an active construction site. I'd like to think he's there to fuck up. Ivan Locke's concrete pour from the movie Locke. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest pour in Europe. It's the biggest pour in Chicago until this baby shows up. Outside of military. Um, Jonathan, there's a lot of slapstick and a lot going on in the scene, but maybe you can touch on some of the key points at the construction site. Yeah, uh, it starts out with like that typical construction scene that you would see in such a slapstick kind of movie. You know, the security guard is asleep when everybody starts showing up. He's asleep when everybody leaves. Didn't see a thing, you know. There's, like, random sparks and welding and shit going on on, like, every other floor, even though this building is, like, 50 stories tall. It's like... I mean, I'm in the construction trade, so there's I have so many problems with this scene. It's just unbelievable. Like, where's the foreman? Oh my god! Well, he was the one that was eating that donut that looked like just a dry piece of bread. Like, I mean, that was like the worst donut I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I love donuts, man, and that was like, oh, it was so disappointing. I can vouch for your love of donuts. I remember you lived right by Spud Nuts. And I still do. Oh, you it's amazing, still live over man. There? There's a donut shop that's like, you know, what, literally walking distance for a fat guy like myself. <laughs> I would walk there. It's awesome. And this construction site is crazy. Again, no one can see this baby, but also now I guess the, uh, the kidnappers have also acquired this power because no one really seems to notice them either. Yeah, they just like walk right on. And I mean, obviously, you know, due to the sleeping guard at the front. Uh, but I mean, there's like elevators, there's cranes, there's wrecking balls, there's welding, there's electrical, there's concrete. I mean, every single possible thing that would go on in a construction site over like a two year span were happening all <laughs> in one day. And somehow with a thousand people on site, these stooges and the baby are completely unnoticed. 
you know they're wasting thousands of of tons of concrete getting poured all over the place uh i don't know what was that stuff that that fell on joe montano was like glue or something or or was it was it joe pentoliano i don't know i mean it was just like (laughs) a lot going on yeah (laughs) pappy how about any of the uh any of the pratfalls or jokes work for you in the section um well you know actually what did work for me is there's an establishing shot of the tower and i don't have in front of me who the composer is but like it's worth noting this movie has a, a one an original score and two an original score with like a full orchestra, which is like really weird for like this kind of movie to have. But there's a really cool like musical note there as you get to see the building. But I mean, yeah, it's like Jonathan said. I, I don't know what Joe Montana is slipping in, but it's like simultaneously sticky. Uh, a lot of crotch shots, uh, people falling in trash. I, I don't know. It, I, I think the main thing is like, my, my fiance Tanya got a little squeamish during this part and it reminded me a lot of uh, Man on Wire Corey if you've seen that documentary oh yeah uh, classic yeah it's like the game of mousetrap up there I mean there's just so much like one of the guys will try to reach for the baby and he'll like fall onto something and then he'll get he'll roll onto the elevator the elevator will go down and he'll land on like a dolly and he'll roll into some mud like it's just insane like one thing after the other. Yeah, uh, there's like this massive iron beam that's being hoisted by a crane, right? And it's only tied like in the center. So anything you put on the ends is going to be off balancing. You got a baby on one side and Vico on the other side, and it's perfectly balanced the entire time. Perfectly balanced as all things should be. Yeah, and then and then Joe Pantoliano jumps off and is like hanging off of his shoelaces and falls like you know I don't know. A few hundred feet or something. <laughs> yeah, way too far. Too. Vico had the one part of this entire sequence that actually made me laugh out loud, and that's when him and Joe Montini are kind of arguing on the ledge of when he should jump on the elevator. And it's like when he jumps, probably imagine it's 30, 40 feet. He like lands in like the football athletic position, perfectly stiff. Yeah, and he doesn't move. <laughs> And it's not the fact that that happens and he falls down. It's that throwaway line is when he just goes, my spine. <laughs> yes. I don't know why that made me. That stuck with me too, for sure. Yeah, because every vertebrae, like, uh, uh, compacted, <laughs> blew out everything. <laughs> I don't blame him, dude. That's why I would have thought the same thing. <laughs> my spine. <laughs> uh, after all the chaos that ensues, that no one ever sees the baby, he never gets scooped up. No one ever approaches the kidnappers and says, uh, stop fucking up our construction site. Get out of here. Again, Ivan Locke would have handled it if he was there. But uh, the baby kind of makes his way out. And I think Joe Montaigne is left hanging. And he's just like stuck up there when the shift ends. So they close off the site and he's, he's, he's up there on that beam. There's a really epic shot of him like hanging in the sun too. Which is like doesn't feel like it fits in the movie at all. But he's just like perfectly silhouetted against a giant Chicago yeah. red setting sun. <laughs> it's so epic. Yeah, like, he, that's true. Yeah. He's standing on that <laughs> wrecking ball. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they just like left it there mid, mid, uh, uh, building say, ah, time to go home. Is I'm that not how here. it works? Yeah. Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> no, no. Okay. No, not really my area of expertise. 
What'd you guys think of the effects though? I just looked at it, or I, I saw it in the credits, but I just clicked that ILM did the effects, George Lucas's company, Industrial Light and Magic. Uh, I mean, there's obviously some green screen going on, but nothing to me, like when the baby's on the beam or anything, nothing looks like 90s bad. You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty decently convincing, I'd say, for 94. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the physics and logic aside, the way yeah, things yeah. look is, is, is pretty good. It's pretty satisfactory, at least. Um, maybe some moments with the gorilla aren't great when they get pretty wide. But other than that, I think it's pretty good. I think the worst um, part of that was uh, the baby going in the revolving door. Like that scene was pretty bad. You didn't like it? You know? No, I mean, like, but you know, the, the, with the effects and it's stuff like, like the that. Doll they I mean, <laughs> yeah, they just, you know, it's like they they put wheels under this kid, and just slid <laughs> him thirty feet. Good luck, you know. I mean, but he's so cute when he slides. He's all smiling. He really is. Yeah. As a parent with a child almost at that age right now, currently, like they don't slide anywhere. <laughs> They're glued down, huh? Dude. I've tried. Believe you me. Hey, we have wood floors in my house. I, I got to keep the busy, kids busy somehow, you know, slide them across the floor. But they just don't, they don't slide very well. What are you doing with these kids, man? Kid Dude, curling. Quarantine time, man. You got to get creative. So, Stevie, why don't you tell us about what happens next? The family kind of realizes what the baby might be doing and then where the baby goes next. Such nonsense, dude. <laughs> this, like, arc of the movie is pure nonsense. Like, what cop in his right mind would take a lead like this? You guys know what I mean? Like, when <laughs> yeah. Cynthia, Cynthia Nixon's like, he's gonna be here! It's like, why?! Like, if I'm, a, if I'm a detective, this is a really high-profile case, I'm not going to go, let's do that. I'll probably just say, you're crazy, go to bed. <laughs> Can you, like, like, leave, lady? Like, we're trying to do Like, we're trying to have a serious work. investigation here. But, yeah, it's um, kind of Shaw's conclusion of, like, he's following the pattern of the book and all the leads they've gotten, like, kind of match out of the book. So they go... Was that kind of like a, what would you call it? A, um, well, not an AV hall, but more of like a retirement for veterans? Yeah, it seemed like it. Yeah, yeah it seemed like a retirement home yeah, for that veterans. Yeah, like, that was like an old uh, veterans hall. Like they're all like a uh, Moose Lodge or Elks Club members <laughs> or something. They're all there just to get shit faced cheap. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is good. Uh, that and it's kind of odd too. They're just singing to a baby. <laughs> they sure are. <laughs> really, just singing to a baby. And Mr. Duncan from Home Alone's there, who's <laughs> also the owner of the Cubs and Rookie of the Year. Yes, uh, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. God damn it! Yeah, that was gonna be my deep yeah. cut. Owner Thanks. Mr. Carson, a cracker jack. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a such a strange way to go about this movie. I don't even know if we set this up earlier. So the baby has something that he calls Boo Boo, which is his book. The book is titled Baby's Day Out. And it's an illustrated book for children about an adventure the baby goes on. And this baby was smart enough to memorize the book. It's been read to him hundreds of times, but also roam throughout the city and visit each of the points that the baby in the book he likes visits. So they go to the zoo, they go to the park, they go to the mall or wherever. He takes a cab. 
So the baby does all these things. He's a pretty sharp kid. And I guess the final conclusion of this book, the last big pay, uh, place that any baby would want to go to, is this like World War II veteran. That's yeah, like a VFW or something, man. Like, why the hell was that even in the book? Why? That's <laughs> just kids love it, man. <laughs> Stevie, you and I have spent a lot of time in Chicago in the 90s, and I saw a lot of homeless veterans, but I never saw a place for veterans that was this nice at any oh, point. It was nice, wasn't or, it? Or the fact that they were all choir singers. Yeah, they were all <laughs> that good at singing. I like to assume they were all like in like a 50s like singing group. Doo-wop like, with group? Other jack- yeah, yeah. They were all in a barbershop quartet. Also, what's kind of angering to me is, I don't have a clue if they shot this in Chicago at all, but it's kind of annoying because Chicago's a really distinct city. And the fact that, like, you guys kind of put some truth to it and you kept calling it New York, this could have been New York and no one would have been the wiser. There's one shot of the the loop and there's one shot of the Sears Tower. But other than that, it's like a completely anonymous... Yeah, Big you wouldn't city. know if it was Chicago from uh, from Brooklyn. Honestly, it was really annoying. the uh, The plan to find the baby is successful, right? So the babysitter and the family they go to this like veterans whatever the fuck we decided it was. They find <laughs> the, the baby. Do up retirement hall. <laughs> the do up retirement hall <laughs> with cheap beer. <laughs> with cheap beer. They they find the baby. The baby is rescued. He's back with his family. Meanwhile. Our villains, they have gone back to their secret location, their apartment, whatever it is, and they have basically given up. They've been battered and abused all day. One of them is they talk about like how his dick might never work because he says, oh, I'm never going to have kids. And they're like, yeah, especially after what happened today or whatever. And basically, they're they're completely defeated. But Pappy, what happens next? Boo boo. That's not a boo boo. That's a clock, a tick tock. Was there a TikTok in his book? No. Well, he's pointing to. He's, he's pointing to. His boo boo. He's not pointing to the TikTok. He's pointing to his boo boo. He wants his boo boo. I thought he was getting a new boo boo. He means his boo boo's back there. That's where he's been. Radio Rogers and McCluskey, tell him to turn around. We're going back to the TikTok to get the boo boo. Send for back. <laughs> Boo-boo, it's the boo-boo signal. I'm hearing the boo-boo in my thoughts. Yeah, so for some reason, (laughs) for some reason, as they were driving by, uh, the baby spots the the lair, and uh, the cops think it's a good idea to bring in this family and recently kidnapped baby to go investigate the boo-boo. And and yeah, it turns out that they're there. Obviously, there's a huge uh, police presence that surrounds them, and... Uh, I hadn't seen this movie, like I said, in a long time. And, and they say, hand, pass out the boo-boo and put your hands in the air. And <laughs> Tanya was like, do you think the baby's going to catch it? I said, no, I think Miranda catches it. And like, what happens is even fucking dumber. They throw the book out and it like opens to the last page of the book where the family's all together. It's too so dumb to even predict. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, they catch the villains because the baby pointed out the building, and they, I, I guess that works. You know, the the baby's pointing to something. That must be the location of where the kidnappers are. Somehow, it's great. It really is, <laughs> Jonathan. Why are they Why are they trusting this baby? I don't don't understand. <laughs> Never trust the baby. 
Jonathan over here is looking as dismayed as I've ever seen him look. Yeah, I, I can't stop shaking my head. I just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just waiting for review time. <laughs> right for ratings. Yeah, for ratings. <laughs> so I mean, they take the baby home. The villains are captured. The baby had his baby's day out, and we get a little bit of a, a sequel bait, uh, much oh. like in our Super Mario Brothers movie, where the baby looks at the shelf and he picks a new book. Baby goes to China and brings back coronavirus. Uh, we have a segment on spoilers that we call a Stevie question, where we kind of ask, ask an existential question to Stevie, and he's so good at answering them. He's, he's so good at like improvising and thinking on his feet. Stevie, if this was spoilers, my Stevie question to you would be, what would Baby Goes to China had been like had that film been greenlit? It would have aged so poorly. I think they would have thrown every stereotype in the book at that movie. And it, I think honestly today it would be I mean it would be considered offensive back then, but even like worse today. And I think oh well, I mean thank God this movie didn't do well financially, but I would have to hope that producers would have had the foresight to say this will not it, this will not be received well. Um, I can only imagine um, you're gonna have. I would picture they would have taken some white actors and kind of whitewashed some Asian characters in there and said some really <laughs> offensive things like, "Who yeah. was that? Did Mickey Rooney do that?" Exactly. Where's Mickey yeah, Rooney? Like, yeah, I think it would have been a real Mickey Rooney situation. Like, like uh, yellow, the yellow face them. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> it would have. <laughs> I mean, it would be so a great bad. spoilers or big dumb movie picked us to talk about. But it would have a real black mark on it. So thank God that movie didn't get made. Joe Montana comes back for his revenge after he gets out of jail. <laughs> and he puts on like that thin mustache all along. Oh, kind of looking like the dude from This time Kill he's Bill. a Chinese photographer. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah right. Oh, man. Oh, man. I had to hold back something right there. All right. <laughs> I'm going to keep it clean. You can always say it. You can edit it. No, I'm good. I'm good. Um, <laughs> that is Baby's Day Out. It, uh, it did not get its uh, much anticipated sequel, but you know what? It had an audience if that IMDb bit of trivia was to be believed. I mean, if it played that long in India, I mean, I'm just, look, I'm glad it's for someone. <laughs> now, we're going to get into ratings pretty soon. Before we get into ratings, I have a question for you guys. I'll go through your answers one at a time. There is a right answer to this. And that question is... Oh, no. Who is the Jesus character of Baby's Day Out? Now, this question is sponsored by our good friend Josh over at Spoilers, who you guys know well. So, who's the Jesus character? What do you think, Stevie? Norby. So, Norby was Joe Pantoliano. Yeah, I think uh, he's the Jesus character in this movie. The only reason I say that is because the baby's a cheap answer. But the parents are so ungodly unlikable. Judas. Oh, dude, it means such vanity. It was hard to watch. Um, then you have Joe Montaigne, who's just the worst. <laughs> Vico's not much better. But I think Norby had a heart in there somewhere, and he actually did care about the baby. So I'm gonna say Norby. All right, Pappy, what's your answer? 
Look, I mean, this is, we're recording this during a very holy time of year for a lot of people. Uh, Passover. Uh, we're actually recording this on Good Friday, Easter Sunday. Happy Good Friday, Pat. Happy Good Friday. Easter Sunday is this Sunday. But probably, you know, the most holy character in contemporary pop culture is Harambe. So I'm going to go oh. with the uh, the gorilla <laughs> is the Jesus-like oh my character. God. It's the same thing I was going to say. <laughs> For the first time, someone has gotten the fucking Jesus character yes! right. <laughs> nice. Let's go. Oh my god, I can't believe that. I make this game intentionally impossible, and someone gets it. Nice. I mean, it, it, it was kind of obvious. I mean, that was the only character that truly cared for this kid unselfishly. <laughs> and he died for your sins, man. Yeah, man. For our sins. All of us, not yeah. just you, Jonathan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, everybody's sins. Jonathan, I know you've been anxious to spill it. On any rating scale you want, what's your rating of Baby's Day Out? Alright, man. Okay. I, I've, I already made my rating one minute into this movie. <laughs> like, when I started. I'm glad to hear you gave it a chance. Yeah, I really did. I really did. You know, my, my wife loves the movie, so she's like, you gotta watch it, give it a fair chance. I said, okay. This movie gets a two out of a hundred stars for me. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Fuck, this movie fucking sucked, man. I, I really went 34 years of my life without watching it, and I could easily go the rest of my life with never watching it ever again. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I really think that, like, the only reason John Hughes did this movie is because he must have had, like, some massive coke debt to the Colombians <laughs> and did it for the cast. And and that's why he hired all these BCD actors to play in this movie so he could take the fat cut of that $50 million. I think he pocketed most of it and, and paid off his debts, man. That's it. There's right. no other possible reason. Mystery solved. And thank you, sir. Yeah. Stevie, why don't you go next? Man, I didn't hate the movie as much as Jonathan. Sounds like some real hatred for this movie. <laughs> yeah. It was awful. For someone who loves crotch humor, I'm surprised. <laughs> <sighs> Me too. I, I'm really surprised. <laughs> so this is what I would call a YouTube movie, which is what I called The Last Jedi which is if you want to find your favorite parts of this movie, there's clips of it on YouTube and you don't have to watch the rest of it. Um, so I will give this a no, but I still think the part that made me laugh the hardest is when Joe Montana looked at uh, Vico and just said, you have really long arms. I don't know why that line made me laugh so <laughs> Such hard. a random line. Such a random line. I don't know why I thought it was genius, but I will give this a no. But there are definitely funny movement, funny moments, including the "That's how you put out campfires." <laughs> when he stomps his nuts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. What a great uh, send away line! That's how you put out campfires. I'm gonna go next. Uh, I'm gonna give it seven out of ten flaming testicles. Whoa! Now my rating is wow. pretty high. I know. I, All right. Look. I don't know if this goes against everything that I would say about movies that I like versus movies I dislike. On paper, this is not the kind of movie I like. Maybe it's because I hadn't seen it for so long, but I was just, I, I don't know, it was just delightful to me. Like, it's so silly. Like, no one's really getting hurt, so if I see some violence on there, it's not for real. The baby's never in danger, so I'm never worried about it. The thing that bothers me the most is that one scene where they fucking... Uh, 
they approach the people that supposedly kidnapped the baby and it's just a normal family that's kind of poor. That ain't cool. But <laughs> other than that, I mean, it's it's a pretty like cheerful, silly, happy, cartoonish movie that I, I, I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on it. It's like, it's just kind of nice. And I am anxious to uh, show this to my nephews and nieces who are about the age that I think will appreciate it. My kid's a little bit too old. So I think the younger audience would like it as much as I do, I hope. Anyway, that's my rating. Pappy, you are the last one. Yeah, so I mean, when I think about Baby's Day Out, there's nothing, you know, quote unquote, above the line that I like about this movie. I I don't think it's very well directed. For a John Hughes movie, the dialogue is incredibly clunky and unfunny. I don't think any of the performances particularly stand out well to me. I do think that, like, there's a really good score for some reason embedded (laughs) in this movie, which I don't quite understand and the ILM technical (laughs) effects I think are pretty good for the 90s but it's driving to make a baby an actual baby look more realistically in peril and I I do kind of pick up what Eber's putting down on maybe that's not the best so I'm gonna give this two out of five flaming testicles you you stole my rating uh Corey but okay but I, I will say that if if you like elements of this like Everything in here has already been done in film so much better. Like if if you like like the physical comedy, like there's there's Buster Keaton stuff or Charlie Chaplin stuff uh, that's like this. That's so much so much funnier. Um, and kind of even like the oblivious baby stuff. Like Mr. Magoo is an Oscar-winning cartoon short, uh, and you know that's kind of like the same humor. The baby walking in blindly, Mr. Magoo walking in blindly. So yeah, I think it's just like a bunch of stuff that John Hughes liked. Three Stooges like Buster Keaton and Mr. Magoo, and he kind of combined it into this baby thing that just didn't work for me. So if it was a spoilers rating, it'd be a no. On a big, dumb movie, I'm going to get two out of five flaming uh, testicles. You know, some say that Chaplin took inspiration from this movie. So you really got to <laughs> like look at the roots of it all. <laughs> some do Three say Stooges that. The yeah. uh, series was based off this movie. Yeah, loosely. Yeah. Right loosely, yeah. 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 <laughs> It it was in the brainstorm project. (laughs) So that was Baby's Day Out. Uh, I want to thank you guys very much for joining us. Pappy and Stevie, well, and me, we're on a podcast called Spoilers. (laughs) Pappy, why don't you give a little bit of a shout out here? Yeah, so I think about this time uh, we'll have uh, an episode on Mulan, the 1998 version, the cartoon version coming out. So definitely check that out. And uh, we're almost done with our Fast and Furious series. And oh, oh, one last thing, too. If you like children's entertainment on Spoilers TV, you and I made podcast history. We're the only podcast to rank every single Disney animated feature in one episode. So much fun. Yeah, so check those out. That was a really good episode. I enjoyed it a lot, actually. I did have a question for you guys that I never got to ask. How come a Goofy movie isn't on there? It's not technically a Disney animated movie. Ah. Mm-hmm. That's why. It was made in, like, Florida uh, with, like, their B animation team, basically. Yeah, it wasn't, technically, it wasn't technically Disney animation. Oh, fuck. Then it ha- it's better that it has any right to be in that yes. case. It would have been very high in the rankings, yeah. Absolutely. So to the listeners, thank you guys very much for tuning into this one. If you want to write in and suggest a movie, you can email us at bigdumbmovie at gmail.com. Tell me what you want us to do, and I'll try to put it together. We did a fan request recently, Flintstones, and that was a lot of fun. And you can also find us on Instagram, Big Dumb Movie Podcast. 
And if you're feeling very friendly, you can leave us a positive rating on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes. And uh, that's pretty much it. Any final words, Jonathan? Uh, I would watch this movie again if it were redone in an animated yes. type deal. Like uh, I mentioned earlier, like Animaniacs kind of slapstick thing like that. I would be totally down to watch it again and redo my rating. But... I'm happy not watching it. <laughs> I think you should watch it again after this podcast and just see how you feel. Give it a fresh set of eyes. <laughs> for you, for you, I'll do that. I will. Perfect. Well, thank you guys very much for joining us. I appreciate you. And thank you to the listeners for listening. We love you. Good night. <laughs>